Good morning, everybody. It's great to see everybody out at our first family service of 2020. As Reuben said, uh, we're looking at the fruits of the Spirit this year, and it's under the theme Live Out Loud, because we want to live them out loud. We don't want to just let the, the world, the culture keep us quiet, but we want to live them out loud for God. And this month, we are looking at kindness. And I thought, just as we start, why don't we revisit those verses in Galatians 5 that remind us of these? And, and these are from the Passion Translation, and they kind of mix it up a wee bit. But it says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. So it's saying these nine fruits of the Spirit is divine love in all its varied expressions. They're all outworkings of love. So joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life of virtue, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. They are meant to be limitless. And today we're talking about kindness, but it's kindness in action. I love this saying, it says, kindness is love made visible. So therefore, as Christians, if we believe God is love, then kindness is God made visible. And one of my favorite presents that I got for Christmas was this book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Has anybody, did anybody get this for Christmas? Or has anybody got this at home? It's a beautifully illustrated book. I really recommend it. It's, um, it's just, it's stunning. It's lovely. And some of the wisdom from it um, talks about kindness. So here is one. It says, um, what is the best way to be happy? And it says, be kind, said the horse. Or, or this one, nothing beats kindness, said the horse. It sits quietly beyond all things. And you're thinking, that's a very wise horse. Yeah? Um, it's, I really recommend the book, the book, okay? But this morning, we're, we're gonna talk about the story of David and Mephibosheth. I wonder if you've heard this story and if even you can pronounce the name. So what I want you to do is to say Mephibosheth three times fast. You ready? Three, two, one. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Did you do it? So David and Mephibosheth, maybe you haven't heard it, but we're gonna, we're gonna, talk, um, we're gonna look at these verses in 2 Samuel 9, verses one to 13. And they say, one day David asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family? If so, I'd like to show him some kindness in honor of Jonathan. It happened that a servant from Saul's household named Ziba was there. They called him into David's presence. The king asked him, are you Ziba? Yes, sir, he replied. The king asked, is there anyone left from the family of Saul to whom I can show some godly kindness? Ziba told the king, yes, there is Jonathan's son, lame in both feet. Where is he? He's living at the home of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. I want you to notice there that Ziba didn't call him by name. He called him lame in both feet. And we want to just notice this as the story goes on. Verse five, King David didn't lose a minute. He sent and got him from the home of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, came before David, he bowed deeply, abasing himself, honoring David. David spoke his name. He spoke his name. Mephibosheth. Yes, sir. 
Don't be frightened, said David. I'd like you to do something, spe- I'd like to do something special for you in memory of your father, Jonathan. To begin with, I'm returning to you all the properties of your grandfather Saul. Furthermore, from now on, you'll take all your meals at my table. Shuffling and stammering, not looking him in the eye, Mephibosheth said, who am I that you pay attention to a stray dog like me? And then on to verse 12, and Mephibosheth ate at David's table, just like one of the royal family. Mephibosheth also had a small son named Micah, All who were part of Ziba's household were now the servants of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, taking all his meals at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. So the first verses that we read, David asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family? If so, I'd like to show him some kindness in honor of Jonathan. And what this has come from was David and Jonathan were best friends. Now you'll know that King Saul was Jonathan's dad, And King Saul was removed from power. God had decided to anoint David in his place. So David was kind of a rival of Jonathan's to the throne. But Jonathan and David were best friends and they made this promise to each other to always show loving kindness. In 1 Samuel 18, 3, we see that when this covenant is made, it said, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And we later see in chapter 20, that they reaffirm this covenant, this promise. It says, but show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. And we don't hear any more about this until we see that Jonathan and Saul, they both die in battle. And in 2 Samuel 4, Verse four, it tells us about Mephibosheth. This is when we're introduced to him. It says, Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. And Mazzucato talks about how, well, actually none were more shunned by their culture than the blind, the lame, the lepers, and the deaf. They had no place, no name, no value. And we can see that actually from the first verses when Ziba didn't even call Mephibosheth by name. He said he was lame in both feet. He said they had no place, no name, no value, excess baggage on the side of the road, but those whom the people called trash, Jesus called treasure. God's kingdom is a kingdom where the rejected are received. And as we see this this act of loving kindness from David, who was a man after God's own heart, it shows us the heart of God, the heart of Jesus. Because when Jesus walked, walked this earth, he had compassion on everybody that he saw. And he also has compassion on each of us. Romans 5, 8 reminds us But Christ proved God's compassionate love, his passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And God wants us to have a heart like David, wants us to be after his heart for his people. And he wants our love for others to be this grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. David had compassion on Mephibosheth. He restored his name. He restored his inheritance. 
because, well, Mephibosheth would have been in line to the throne. He would have had this land, this property. He would have had these servants. But because he was crippled, this was removed from him. But David restored that and gave him a place at his table. And God wants us to take a seat at his table. One of my, one of my, um, one of the big memories for me growing up is when my mom took sick when I was, I think I was about 15 or 16, and we'd been in foster care quite a lot. And I'd started going to this youth group um, of this church, an evangelical church, and I really didn't want to go into care again. My mom had taken sick. She'd been, she'd been put into hospital again. And I just, I just couldn't go into care again. It was just me and my brother were just, we were just sick of, of being um, pushed from pillar to post. And I remember this Christian family, um, they were called Norman and Ruth, this, this lovely couple who were the youth leaders, they took us in. And actually one of the things that I remember most is as a Christian family, they sat around the table for dinner and we'd never really experienced that. It was always just, we had it on our knees watching the TV. And I remember they always said grace. And some of the things, well, they would have asked us to say it. And sitting at that table actually just showed me the love of God and has always stuck with me and is definitely part of why I then give my life to Christ. They had compassion on me and my brother, even though they'd never met my brother. And this is what God wants us to be people of compassion, not to show kindness out of just compliance, because actually what that is, is just doing what you're expected to or required to do. And if I had an emoji to sum up compliance, it would be this. It's kind of just like, okay, if I must, I'll do it. Okay, right. But compassion is going above and beyond what you're expected or required to do. If I had an emoji for that, it would be the heart eye emoji. It's a wee bit different from rolling your eyes, isn't it? And this is what God wants us to be like people of compassion. And I found these verses in Psalm 22 and I just thought they were class and what a picture for 2020 and Willowfield Church. It says, here in this great gathering for worship, I have discovered this praise life and I'll do what I promised right here in front of the God worshipers. Down and outers sit at God's table and eat their fill. Everyone on the hunt for God is here praising him Live it up from head to toe, don't ever quit. From the four corners of the earth, people are coming to their senses, are running back to God. Long lost families are falling on their faces before him. God has taken charge from now on. He has the last word. And what I think can be a catalyst for this is us being a people of kindness who show kindness in action. And I had this picture, well, maybe you think, oh, being kind, it, it, of, it can make you a doormat. God doesn't want us to be a doormat for the world, but to be a welcoming mat for the Holy Spirit into this world, to show his love through kindness in action. But just before we kind of get to um, a response to that, there's another quote from this book that I was telling you about. And this time, it's some wisdom from the mole. It says, being kind to yourself is one of the greatest kindnesses. Because in 2 Samuel 9, 8, we see how Mephibosheth talks about himself. And it says, shuffling and stammering, not looking him in the eye, Mephibosheth said, who am I that you pay attention to a stray dog like me? And how Mephibosheth talks about himself, he just puts himself down. And this is something I see all the time, I hear 
all the time, people just speaking unkind words about themselves. And we're reminded that we're meant to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to start with ourselves and what we say about ourselves. And Mephibosheth said he just believes um, he's, he's been rejected by society and he started to believe it and he's just putting himself down. And the way you speak about yourself, well, it matters. It does, it matters. And Joel Austin says, change the way you speak about yourself and you can change your life. Because Luke 6.45 says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. And if you're always saying unkind things about yourself, well, actually, there's something going on in your heart that God wants to change. He wants to change your heart towards yourself and then change your heart towards others. Because kindness is a position, it's a posture of the heart. So what do you wanna be when you grow up? Kind, said the boy. We, we would love to start a movement of kindness. You know that well, if we have kids and youth, we, we talk about this movement. And what I'm gonna do is some, some people are gonna come up and we've got some baskets here and we'd love to challenge you as a church to get involved in this movement of kindness. That as we worship, as the band come to lead us in a song of worship, we'd love to challenge you to, to walk to the front and to pick um, an act of random kindness on a piece of paper from one of these, one of these baskets. And it's, it might be, you're not gonna get to just pick around and choose what you want because actually the challenge is to, to take what you, have, what you take first time and then to go for it to get out of your comfort zone and know that God goes with us. His Holy Spirit is with us as we step out to show kindness in action. And we'd also love, if you're into social media, to then, to then record it and use this hashtag, Willowfield Movement Acts of Random Kindness. But as the guys come up to grab the baskets and to get ready, we, I'd love to challenge everybody. This is not just for kids and youth. This is for us as a church. But I'd love for us to stand and pray these words from Luke chapter four, verses 18 to 19. Let's, let's stand together. Because these verses aren't just saying, they're not just talking about me or, or Mark or, or David or George or any of the staff. That it's, it's not just that God's spirit is upon us to preach the message, it's upon all of us. The Holy Spirit is upon all of us. So I'd love if we could all read these out as a prayer for us in 2020. So let's go for it. God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. Let's just, let's just pray before we respond. 